Abiola Abrams describes herself as a midwife for your inspired life. She's an author, a self-worth coach, speaker. Yeah, I'm a good girl. <laughs> Thank you. Well, as it says up on the slide that I'm going to talk about stepping into your greatness, but I've actually added on to that. I scrapped on the way over here completely what I wanted to talk about originally because I felt like, okay, I'm going to talk to my tribe. People who already know that they are born for greatness, people who already know that this is the moment to stop playing small, and maybe just need to know, okay, how do I do that? What is the next step? So I want to share with you that a few years ago I had a diabolical scheme and I was like, ha ha ha, I figured out the way that I'm going to change the world. And it was that I decided that by me empowering light bringers, world changers, you know, the coaches, the therapists, the healers, the shaman in order to do their work, if I was able to empower through my programs, my coaching, my speeches, et cetera, to empower those people who empower others to get out there and live their greatest lives, then by proxy I could create a ripple effect throughout the world and really affect change and make difference. Well, one of the things that I found out immediately as I started to work with our wonderful tribe of luminaries, the kind of person that is attracted to the Gratitude and Trust Summit, is that we are a bunch of wounded healers out here. That those of us who, you know, provide what I call the honey of life to others, you know, the creative people, the artists, the artisans, the coaches, the speakers, that we've got some issues, <laughs> myself included, that, you know, Peter Shankman talked about his ADD and his challenges with dealing with that. Well, for me, that I have a lot of anxiety that I've dealt with my whole life, extreme social anxiety. I see several of you nodding that this is something that you're familiar with. And so you may wonder, well, Abiola, if you have you know, extreme social anxiety, how are you able to get up on the stage at the Gratitude and Trust Summit? You know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, so there's none of that. <laughs> so I can't rest on that. How are you able to then take the stage? And I say that the answer is two things. The first is that I'm the daughter of immigrants. My mother and my father are from the same village in Guyana, but they met here, they're back there. <laughs> and so we first generation Americans are a scrappy bunch. <laughs> and there's nothing like to motivate you like knowing that the people that made you literally gave up their whole village, whole country, whole being, whole everything in order to make a better life for you. And the second reason is because I know my why. I know my passion, my purpose, my pleasure, the things that I came here to do. And so what I've learned to empower my tribe around and to talk to you about when it comes to fear of failure and fear of success is that to me, your birth certificate is all of the proof that we need that we need what you have that we need the magic that you came to bring. And so it is literally selfish of you if you have a purpose, a passion, a calling, a light, something that you came to do and that you are cheating us by you not stepping into your greatness, stepping into yourself in order to do it. Now, 
I, as I said, I am Caribbean-American, I'm African-American, I'm a New Yorker. Those are all three loud groups of people. <laughs> and so they're also three interactive groups. So anything that I do is going to be interactive. So I'm not just going to stand up here and perform and you're going to watch me and, you know, some people are taking notes or whatever. But this is about us putting things into our bodies and really feeling it. And so I know that it's the end of the day, but I'm going to ask everyone if you could join me in us giving a collective woo! All right, so three, two, one. Woo! And the reason we do that is for my left brain people, the reason we do that is because physics, you know, nothing, nothing happens until something moves. You know, even, if, even with mindfulness, it's actively being in the present moment. And for my right brain folks, we do a woo! Because that is the international sound of people having fun. <laughs> and it is essential for us to be having fun if we're going to overcome our fears of failure or fears of success and be able to answer to our purpose, our pleasure, our passion. As we heard that, you know, I have a program, for example, called the Become the Guru Boot Camp. And there is nothing more triggering for a group of people who are bringing light into the world and worshiping at the feet of other gurus than to think of themselves as gurus. And I just want to just, now that you know a little bit about me, actually, let me just find out really quickly who is in the audience. Clap if you have ever had fear of failure. Okay, see, we are not alone. Clap if you've ever had fear of success. And it makes sense, you know, that we are not alone, that there are two sides of the same coin. You know, fear of failure is, you know, oh my God, what if I mess up? What if people laugh at me? What are they going to think? You know, what, you know, what if I make a fool of myself? Fear of success is, oh my gosh, what if I succeed? You know, people are going to say, who does she think she is? Who does he think he is? How dare you? How dare she? All of those things, those externally led voices. So we want to have our internal voice be really, really powerful and really sure up. We actually, one of the interesting things in pop culture, we learned three powerful self-worth lessons recently from Caitlyn Jenner, you know, who used to be Bruce Jenner, about stepping into your greatness and, you know, really stepping into your own and the lesson of stopping playing small. And what we learned from her, what I learned from her at least, was, you know, number one, it's never too late to be who you might have been. Number two, that as much as you may love the people in your life, that your decisions are yours and you've got to make yourself happy. And number three, keep your eyes on your own paper, like they used to tell us in school, keep your eyes on your own life. That a lot of people may envy other people for their wealth, their looks, their you know, fame or whatever it is, but ultimately we don't know ever the torture that someone could be living inside them. You know, as Plato said, you know, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And so part of a fear of success or fear of failure is us imagining that everyone else has it together and that we are the only one who is dealing with whatever struggle or issues that we have but we're not alone not even a little bit and so what I want to share with you before I go in the brief time that we have left um, this year that I had three life-changing things happen and the year is half over hopefully you know <laughs> the energy is shifting but I had three life-changing things happen this year that at the beginning of the year that my dad was sick and luckily he's happy healthy whole and here and all is well 
But that was a blessing for me because it reminded me the importance of living actively in the now, as someone alluded to earlier, being present and loving the people that we have while we're here on the planet. And the second thing that happened was that I went to Ferguson, Missouri, the place of the unrest, that I was speaking in a state nearby. And it was very important for me to go to that place and meditate there and pray there and you know meet the people there rather than being the kind of person that gets up and makes speeches about things that they don't know about. Or rather than just looking at people as those people over there. Because they are us, we are all in this together. And then the third thing that happened uh, most profoundly is that a couple of months ago, a friend of mine who, is, who was a coach, was a speaker, was a luminary, would have been a member of the Gratitude and Trust tribe, killed himself. And none of us had any idea that he was in that kind of turmoil, that he had been living with HIV for a very long time. But we felt him to be a strong person, as we do so many of us, that we look at each other and we think, you've got it all figured out. He's got it all figured out. And so I, what I want to share really, really briefly is just what the, this is, this is the, the regrets of the dying that this wonderful woman, Bronnie Ware, put into a book for us all to remember how to live. Because we can't have fear of failure and fear of success if we keep our eyes on that prize and know that there is a purpose why we're here. So very quickly, the top five regrets of the dying. Number five, I wish I would have let myself be happier. Anyone in here can relate to that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have let myself be happier. I heard a conversation between two of my mentors uh, recently, Barbara Walters and Oprah Winfrey, saying, I wish I would have enjoyed it more. And I was like, what? Like, these women are my icons. How are you not enjoying your life? Number four, regret of the dying. I wish I would have stayed in touch with my friends. Number three, regret of the dying. I wish I would have had the courage to express my feelings. Number two, regret of the dying. I wish I would not have worked so hard. And the number one regret of the dying that I want you to take with you today and as you go forward in your life and in your work is I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. So that is your challenge and your commitment for each and every one of you going forward. All right, so let's close with a woo!